This is Channel 253. In this episode of Citizen Tacoma. I think that every student um, in every school, in every classroom, deserves the same opportunity to achieve the greatness in them, right? But if one school has maybe an extra counselor or, an, an, uh, you know, um, different approaches to discipline and another school is down a counselor, you're going to see some, some, some issues there, right? So how do we successfully rectify those situations? It takes a customized approach. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. another episode of Citizen Tacoma. Uh, this week's interview is with school board member Corey Strozier, who uh, was appointed to fill out a seat about six months ago, and he is running to retain his seat. Uh, this marks the time where Citizen Tacoma is going to start talking to uh, candidates for office, and we'll be doing this uh, through a lot of the spring, summer, fall. Um, this year, we've got school board, city council, you know, maybe Support, uh, lots of different people to talk to, um, and we'll see what uh, candidates for office and our elected officials have to say. Let's give it a listen. All right, we are here uh, with my interview uh, with uh, Corey Strozier on the Tacoma School Board. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Corey. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. For I'm, sure. I'm glad to have you here. Um, you've been on uh, the school board how long now? Uh, six months. Six months. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a newbie. I'm a newbie to the game. <laughs> a newbie, and you are uh, running uh, for re-election, or not re-election. Yeah. You're running to keep your seat to be retained. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Why Why are you running? Tell me more about uh, your, you know, what you want to see happen. Oh uh, man, well, you know, I, I'm I know I'm running for a fact because it, it takes time to get your one to get your feet underneath you. I mean, if you think about this, I was appointed and then thrown right into the fire. So there wasn't really uh, much time to have a strong understanding of the ins and outs. What, what, what does a board member do? What can a board member do? What can't a board member do? Uh, so to have that understanding, man, it, it would be foolish to not, um, one, run again so that I could use what I've learned, right? Like learn how to play the game and then you play the game. Um, but two, man, just, just as I mentioned in my school board interview, that's that's live for folks to watch. <laughs> um, I've got daughters in this district, you know what I mean? And and they're young. Well, I've got one daughter in this district. My youngest will be in preschool next year. And to uh, sit on the outside looking in while folks make decisions about your child's education, it's difficult, right? So why not take the opportunity to put my name in and have to get on the board, right? That was my main thought. Um, because if, if, if anybody's going to make decisions around my children, I would like it to be, <laughs> I would like it to be me, right? Especially when the opportunity's there, right? So um, that's, that's one of the main reasons. And then I think about um, our school district demographics. Like there are, I believe, somewhere 15% 
of our school board makeup, I mean, of our school makeup to African-American people, right? And then another 15, almost 16% are those of mixed race, right? So when I look at the board, I tried to go back and find out like, when's the last time it was a black man on the Tacoma school board? I'm not sure there right? has been, right? It's been almost 30 years. Wow. So um, it's been 30 years since our perspective, right? Our experience in, in, in life has been left off of the school board, right? So, um, and I know that there's been many folks who have tried to get on and it just hasn't worked out. So now that I am in a seat, um, it only makes sense to continue to try to retain my seat so that my, you know, our voices can be heard and, you know, I can give my, my, my views on certain things from my perspective. Yeah. Tell, tell me more about your background. Walk us through, uh, you know, how you got to this place in life. Uh, I, I'm a Tacoma kid. And I like to say that because it gets too difficult to explain uh, my life prior to Tacoma. <laughs> I've been, I've been all over the, the United States of America. Uh, but um, I came here in 2005 um, as a sophomore going over to Lincoln High School. Um, and, you know, I, I've always had just this desire to change, to, to change lives, right? How do you, how do, you do that? Um, so I, I found out that my first love and first hate was, was education. I was, never, I was never the greatest student, right? But because I was able to make it through um, I've always found that uh, that gave me the opportunity to help folks avoid the same traps that I fell into, right? So my first real job in the school district was a athletic clerk at Lincoln High School, 19 years old, right? Okay. So I got dumped into high school athletics, um, but really uh, the opportunity to serve as a mentor to so many students. Um, and I continued on in my work in education. I've never really worked outside of, of this realm. Um, I was an employee of the district in all three uh, classifications. I was classified. I was hourly. Uh, I was certificated. Um, I, I served as an athletic director. I've served as a graduation specialist, which is some, you know, quasi quasi uh, counselor, if you will. Um, in in my current work, I work I work work for King County government and uh, in our education and employment resources division. Wow. So. Um, I feel like if it's education, it's me. So that's, that's how I stumbled here. And it only makes sense, right? When you have an opportunity to work at a policy level um, to change lives, it's completely different than working in a face-to-face, -face, uh, you know. Role. I, I was so, going to ask you about that because, you know, if your day job is in education and you're, 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 you're doing, sometimes in my experience, when I see uh, someone with that kind of experience, they get into the policy level side and it's hard to, switch hats because like like what you can affect and you mentioned this earlier what can a board do what can't a board do what's that tension been like for you in this in this first six months man you you know well i, I think that it, it, there hasn't been much tension okay good. and i'll say because uh and i'll just be transparent here one of my biggest struggles was living in tacoma but working for king county mm. <laughs> okay so um knowing that uh I can I can now affect change at a policy level here in Tacoma. I always wanted to find that. How do I do for my own community, right? If I'm up here in King County, uh, working without leaving my job, 
And this was the best opportunity available. Um, so there hasn't been much tension because I just, I like to keep it consistent. I like to keep it fluent. So if, if education is the only thing that I get to focus on, um, why not? You know, so it hasn't been much of a back and forth type of struggle uh, for me between day job and, and school board work. It kind of provides, one provides a break for the other, if I could be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Uh, tell me more about about that work that, that you do with with King County. Um, you know what 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 uh, what 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 level of education are you approaching, or what's your focus there? So uh, for King County, I uh, serve in a position where I had the opportunity to build a program in partnership with uh, the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation, um, and the, the the main purpose of of this is to provide. Uh, pre-employment transition services to students 16 to 21. Um, and for folks who don't know who what that is, pre-employment transition services is, is meant for students who have IEPs, 504 plans, or documented disabilities. The idea is that we get them the training, we get them the preparation and self-advocacy uh, and work readiness. And then we place those young people uh, in paid internships. So we're essentially creating opportunities for students who otherwise would be overlooked, right? So when you think about students with disabilities, uh, uh, most of the resources go to the students who have high level needs. Students with support, uh, with, with IEPs, 504 plans, or documented disabilities are considered low level, and they don't really get as much resources. So pre-ETS was created to serve those students. So I got the opportunity to build a program and build a system that will serve them, and it, it's it's been great. I get to go up there and do that well not go anywhere. Sure, exactly. <laughs> I get to stay home now and facilitate a lot of virtual trainings and uh, build relationships with organizations and businesses in King County so that uh, when we do get back, we have somewhere to place these students in paid internships. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the, of the pandemic, have, have you been able to meet any of your car colleagues or, or you know, uh, Carlos Antonio or Josh Garcia in person or is it all Zoom still? No, no, I'm, I've met them both in person uh, at my um, oath of office. We actually did it down at the uh, at the central administration building. So I got to uh, do that with Carla. And then I got to see Josh, I think, in passing <laughs> um, when I was picking up something from down there. And I got to see Lisa. Uh, so Lisa Keating on, also on the, the school board. Yep. 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 Lisa Keating. And then um, Enrique and I took a walk once at my, around Mount Tahoma, socially distanced. I have not seen Andre in person since the pandemic. Um, and I have not seen uh, Director Von Bright in person. So tonight actually will be the first time I see all of them uh, at once at our board meeting tonight. Uh, an in-person board meeting? Is that what you're, you... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this wow. is our first in-person board meeting since uh, the government changed the guidance on the OPMA type of deal. Holy cow. I didn't realize that that was a thing now. Yes, yeah, tonight. First time. So I, I, my joke has been, you know, I've been the virtual director. Nobody even knows if I really live here, <laughs> if I'm just, you know, playing this game. So right, yeah. right. What's it like? Uh, what 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 does being a parent mean to you when when you're also on the school board? How do that? How does that that role? Because you know, not everyone on the school board, at least historically, uh, has been a as has had kids currently in the district. And I'm just curious, your thoughts on that gives you a different point of view, like your, your, your stance on many things. Uh, well, my stance on many things is grounded on how will this affect my child and my family. Um, and it may seem kind of selfish, but that is just is what it is. That's a part of the reality. 
but but being a parent and a school board member is it's it's got its uh <laughs> it's got its things about it. You know, my daughter has has a how do I put this? It's not like she's going to listen, but my daughter has a way with words. And she, you know, sometimes I, I like to just go to the school and uh, drop her off and go about my business. But she's like, my daddy's on the school board. My daddy was in the newspaper. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want people to know that. So uh, it's it takes some getting used to. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world, though. I mean, having a daughter in the district where you are working to, uh, you know, create the future of public education, in a sense, uh, really kind of gives me a leg up to see how parents feel. Gives me a different perspective. Yeah. I want to ask about that because, you know, I I have uh, two kids uh, in school right now uh, at uh, Tacoma Public Schools. One kindergarten, so he's four days a week. uh, One in third grade, so she's only going... Uh, twice, two days a week. And, you know, there were a couple times, the, the, the school district was hoping to do this in the fall. Um, and then we started again here in January, February, kind of opening that up. Um, and a lot of folks were really worried about it. Some of the teachers were worried that they were being put in an unsafe environment, especially because at the, at the time uh, they, they might not have been vaccinated, although, you know, now they're eligible. Tell yeah. me, walk me through that uh policy conversation and how you arrived uh, where you did? Well, to be quite honest with you, I, and that's, I think that's where a lot of, a little bit of confusion happens. So the decision to reopen schools didn't come to the board. Okay. So the decision to reopen schools comes straight, straight from, from governor's guidance. Um, and it's all based on those, uh, those case counts, as far as the, you know, being below a certain level below a certain number of positive cases in your community uh, in comparison to how many people are actually living there. So um, now I don't, I don't know, this is part of my learning still, if we could have said, Hey, let's just not, let's just not go to school at all. Let's just stay remote. Um, But we, we were really big on, you know, just a social emotional learning, uh, social emotional opportunities and getting students back around students, right? That's how they, how they thrive. And I know for a fact, me personally, and my little one, she had the hardest time with not being able to be around uh, her her peers. So, um, yeah, my my I, son I, who's in kindergarten, uh, he is definitely thriving now that he is actually in in school in a way that online learning just wasn't wasn't yeah. cutting it for him. Wasn't cutting it at all. And I think we're we're in the same absolute absolute same boat. Uh, like we our the packet pickup. Uh, was was always an interesting time because she always wanted to go into the school and I'm like yo uh no <laughs> they're gonna bring the packet out to us okay it's not time yet so um I think I would be remiss if I didn't like acknowledge the fact that yo teachers uh, uh not necessarily like your their feelings about not being safe and folks not valid right I don't want to act like I don't because I had some concerns like there was a there was a point where I was like do I keep my kid in in, in online or do I send her back? Um, and I was a big advocate for at the very beginning, like, yo, if we are going to um, start bringing folks back to school, how do we get teachers uh, further up on that list of vaccinations, right? I almost got in trouble a little bit for conversation on Twitter, like trying to, <laughs> trying to, uh, you know, kind of edge Governor Inslee along, like, yo, we have to get teachers vaccinated. Uh, and then you realize that you have to 
be explicit about uh, these are your personal opinions and not the opinions of a school. I, I, I was going to ask uh, who who in trouble with who. Oh yeah, not not real trouble, but it's kind of like you you kind of put the. If I was to just you know pop off on Twitter, I run the risk of putting the district in an awkward spot for the simple fact that my personal views may not be the views of the district or an agreed upon stance by the board. So we just got to be careful with things like that. Yeah, it's, it's something uh, that's, that's a recurring theme on, on this podcast is um, a lot of listeners are surprised to find out how an elected official uh, has to balance, you know, what they can say, what they can't say. And it's not like, you know, it's a, it's even a, a law. It's just like um, you can put, the people who work for you in an awkward place and make more work for them. And sometimes you don't want to do that. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, you know, I can say as someone on the, you know, Metro Parks board, sometimes I'm just like, you know, I still got to do my job and I still got to, uh, you know, this is what I think. And uh, I don't have to carry water for the, <laughs> I don't have to carry water if I don't uh, believe I need to. So there's definitely a balance there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, and I'm still learning that, right? There's there's sometimes where I'm like, oh man, I wish I could just say something. And it's like this it's better for the four that I am, you know, in partnership with uh, that I don't. So I get that. Um, let's take a quick break, and then uh, when we come up, uh, we'll keep talking about uh, the school district and uh, what what'll be coming up uh, in the future. This is Doug Mackey, producer at Channel 253 and proud Alaska Airlines frequent flyer. What are you excited about in 2021? For me, it's travel. Doesn't that sound amazing right now? I spent most of 2020 looking at the same four walls in my studio, so I'm more excited than ever to get out and see the world. I want to sit in a coffee shop in some new city and read a book, or visit a museum, or visit archaeological sites like Tikal in Mexico. Ugh, it feels so good to think of these things. I know there's a lot to get through before some of that will happen. But where last year it was hard to think more than a week in advance, I have the confidence to actually start planning some vacations now. And that's where Alaska Airlines comes in. I'm not going to the travel sites. I go directly to alaskaair.com and book my travel because I want great customer service and direct flights to my favorite destinations. I also trust Alaska to keep me safe during travel right now. Their standards for social distancing and reduced touch travel are incredibly high. So if you're excited as I am about getting out to see the country, or you have to travel for essential work right now, start with Alaska. Do what I do and skip the travel sites and visit alaskaair.com to book your next flight. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for taking me where I want to go in 2021, and thank you for your support of Channel 253. Welcome back. Uh, we are here with uh, school board director Corey Strozier, and uh, we're talking about uh, his running f uh, to retain his seat and what's happening at the school district. I want to thank our sponsor, and I want to thank the members of Channel 253 who keep us going. If you want to support uh, civically engaged podcasts like this one, you can join for $4 a month or $40 a year at channel253.com slash membership. And uh, the membership is really what uh, has kept us going through this pandemic. It's been crucial and uh, you can lend your support uh, to keep this going. So check it out, channel253.com slash membership. All right. Um, 
I want to talk about what you what what uh, what's happening in the district uh, in a in a few different ways. One of those is you know I've done four interviews with city council members on policing in Tacoma. This was inspired um, by some of the recent incidents with Manny Ellis uh, and also with um, uh, the the patrol officer driving into a crowd in January. And I think that it does tie in to schools in the sense that uh, there are, uh, I believe the term is a school resource officer in Tacoma schools, and that's a uniformed officer. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I know that this in some communities has been a source of uh, concern or tension. Um, I've seen some people who say, you know, that like they can get great, uh, great folks in this position who really inspire the students. And sometimes it's not so great. Uh, in your view, just, you know, at a very high level, uh, how do you think of that question about uh, uniformed officers in schools? Well, to, to be quite honest with you, and I, again, I'll just make it clear that these are definitely the words of Corey Strozier, uh, the citizen, not Corey Strozier, the school board director. Uh, but for me, I, I'll just say that um, when I was in high school at Lincoln, uh, Mr. Mark was our um SRO. Okay. I remember him. Um, and I will say that um, there is something to be said about feeling as if y- you need a police officer at the school. Right? At some point, we have to take a very uh, strong look at um, speaking about current times. You mentioned Manny Ellis. You mentioned the individual who, who, who drove through the crowd downtown. We have to take a serious look at what um, having an officer in full garb in our schools does to the psyche of our students, um, especially when I mean we we didn't mention um, George Floyd, yeah. we didn't we didn't mention uh, any of the other tragic cases um, that have been you know taking place. Right. So when you think about that on a national level and even even when we are in the midst of a pandemic, there's a pandemic going on within a pandemic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. So so we we, we got to get to the point where we take a serious, serious look at what what does that look like for our schools? Are we willing to contribute to the um, mental abuse that that causes to the students who are affected the most black and brown kids? Or are we gonna, you know, dust it under the rug and say they'll be all right because the SRO is there to protect them? Now, I, I won't. I'm not even gonna say I have an issue with SROs because I've worked in the district for um, years. I mean, I think 12 years I did. 12 years time I did in the district, and every time I worked at SRO, they're great people, great, great people. But then it comes a conversation though, like, yeah, you got a good apple, but you got a couple of bad apples. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, and I just want to be clear in saying that the SROs that I work with, that I know, and that I went to school with were great, but that was in 2007 and that was in 2012, 2016 being the latest time that I worked in the school with an SRO. So we need to take a 2021 approach to this conversation. And uh, what does that look like for the students that are currently there? When, when you uh, think back to, you said Mr. Mark, I think is what you said, are those, you remember him remember him well, remember him, I mean, like, like, like was it a, a good force or a neutral, mixed? 
uh, it, it, my interactions with him were, were always, you know, pure, you know, he, he's a cool guy. Like I, I probably shouldn't say this cause I don't know if Mr. Irwin will listen or well, I don't know if he's doing this anymore anyway, but we would, my, my friends and I would get caught leaving campus to go to pizza time when it was on Pacific Avenue. You're talking about Pat lunch. Irwin, the principal at Lincoln. Yeah. 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 And, and Mark would oftentimes catch us. He'd be outside. He's like, you guys are, you can't continue to do this. This is what my interaction with Mark's were. Now, I never got in trouble for leaving campus, but I always got talked to. My dad worked at the school, too, as a basketball coach. I'm not sure if folks remember that or make that connection. But he's like, how would your dad feel about you leaving campus? Well, I, well if he didn't get a piece of pizza, he'd be upset, Mark. You know, so um, <laughs> I... I yeah, my interaction with, with Mark is great. And, and uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. One of the things that, that is happened, you know, that, that, that is true in many school districts is that there is an achievement, an achievement gap uh, mm-hmm. between white students and students of color. Yeah. And Tacoma... I remember, I, I can't remember the current numbers, but Tacoma has an achievement gap. And a couple of years ago was uh, proud, at, uh, I think, uh, that they had not only improved overall graduation rates, but had done so while even narrowing that achievement gap. Um, but obviously it still exists. And, I, and again, this is a couple of years old that I remember this, so it might have uh, widened again or not. I'm not quite sure. Um, what's your sense about how either education in general or the Tacoma School District specifically is serving, how are they serving students of color? Uh, well, it, it starts, and I'll just, I'll just speak in general because I think that some of these things are being done by this, our school district as okay. well. Um, but generally speaking, um, there has to be an, an, an intentional approach to this, right? There is no um, cookie cutter way to close the achievement gap. And a lot of these achievement gaps are where they are because of the lack of access. Okay, so I think about um, programs that are available on the north end that aren't available on the east side. You see what I mean? Um, And that's been uh, one of the constant or even in the south end, one of the constant echoing statements that I currently hear. I think that every student um, in every school, in every classroom, deserves the same opportunity to achieve the greatness in them, right? But if one school has maybe an extra counselor or, an, an, uh, you know, um, different approaches to discipline and another school is down a counselor, you're going to see some, some, some issues there, right? So how do we successfully rectify those situations? It takes a customized approach per building, right? And folks have to be bought in because – Let's just be honest here. Um, the, the the equity, um, the the DEI has been ringing, right? Um, we're speaking big picture here. Has been ringing constant as a as a conversation piece in organizations and school districts and and, and uh, businesses of the like. But uh, and it's cute, right? Like it's we're we're big on equity and we're big on you know closing the achievement gap and. Yeah, that's that's cute on paper. But what does the practice look like? And I'm not saying that I have the answer. But what I do know is you've got to make a, uh, a a very focused effort to close those gaps. you got to do things that have never been done before. 
right? Everybody listening to this podcast knows the definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So you can't take one thing that worked in one place or kind of work and assume that's going to work on the east side because those are different people. But that's why it goes back to representation. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's why we need folks of color in positions or positions of influence. I think Matt's article this morning from the New Tribune said positions of power. And I definitely meant positions of influence. But we need folks in positions of influence so that we can kind of move the needle, like and provide a different perspective because you don't know what you don't know. So I, I don't know if I took that where you wanted it to go, but a very focused effort um, to close the gaps have to be in place to actually close the gaps. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I want to ask something else that's been happening over these last couple of years with the school district is um, lots, of, lots of budget difficulties. Yeah. So uh, Tacoma School District... Uh, in their view, were particularly hurt by uh, the funding mechanism that came out of the McCleary decision. Um, there was a fix that was that was supposed to help, but still a tight budget at the school district. And that was before uh, the pandemic. That was before a lot of people pulled their kids from school for, you know, like a year of homeschool, which hurt the budget even more is what I understand. Um, what's happening with uh, the funding at the school district in, in your view? Uh, this is not one of my strong suits, but I'm going to give you the best uh, explanation that I can. Um, The the, the district normally operates in a good space. Okay. We we operate with a good number of, uh, of reserves. And it is my understanding that uh, there are some things in place that are, are are on their way to help us kind of stay afloat from the issues of, of the pandemic. Like there are things like, uh, I believe ESSER funds. Now don't ask me what this is, but <laughs> <laughs> there are uh, ESSER funds that um, are, are going to stabilize like our hits from transportation and, and things of that nature. So um, I have to really take my hat off to, to Rosalind Medina of, of, of Tacoma schools and the whole budget and finance department, because they do some great projections um, that, that most of the time balance out and, and it doesn't look like we're really operating in the red ever really um that just be could be to me because math is a a foreign language so it it may be that i'm trying to see the best in every situation uh (laughs) but uh as far as uh balancing budget you know you know that's one of the uh main priorities of a board adopting a a balanced budget um so working together with the other board colleagues uh, i'll get to do that for the first time here soon um it was already done before i was appointed uh, but I know for a fact that they they work very closely, uh, Superintendent Santoro and Josh with Roslyn to ensure we are in a good in a good space. That's great. Um, what do you foresee happening in in the next school year? You know, we're 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 going to be coming out of this thing, whatever the that looks like, um, either based on predictions or based on your own personal feelings. You know, are we going to have kids in school? Four days a week, five days a week. Do you think that we'll have, uh, you know, after school sports? How how do you, based on what you're hearing from, you know, from your staff, from the governor, what do you think the next school year might look like? Um, I, I personally think that um, we're going to be uh, back in school at a certain capacity. Uh, what capacity that looks like, be it four days or you know 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident in the fact that um, the vaccine rollout, that's been one of the main concerns of, of teachers and staff uh, and students and parents is being able to be in a classroom uh, with folks without, you know, really worrying about getting uh, uh, sick. So with the vaccine rollout and everybody, there being potentially being enough vaccines by the end of May for everyone. Um, I put big air quotes because I don't. <laughs> that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. Um, but the hope is that folks get who can and who would like to um, get the vaccine um, because we are a million steps ahead of where we were in the fall, right? There was no way it made sense to go into the building in the fall that just passed. But this coming fall, I, I do believe that we're going to be there in some capacity. Uh, I take my hat off to athletic administrators right now who are trying to figure out what sports is going to look like. Um, I did go to a football game. Um, I think it was Lincoln and Mount Tahoma. And it was Lincoln and Mount Tahoma. And the, 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 the practices that were in place, the, the protocols that were in place, uh, really did their best to keep folks safe. Right. Folks were playing with with masks, uh, you know, um, standing away from each other on the sidelines, fist bump type of celebrations. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic that sports, too, will be back. Obviously, this is all based on case rates and vaccinations and, and all that good stuff. It's all going the right way. It seems like that. Exactly. I think we're coming out of this thing and uh, we'll be able to get back to a new normal. Now, I'm not going to say get back to normal because that didn't benefit everybody. Right, black and brown students, uh, those underserved. So a new normal, and hopefully that new normal includes uh, equal access and opportunity for everybody who deserves it. So yeah, everybody who deserves it. Yeah. That's great. If uh, if the voters send you back for another term uh, in November, um, what are you going to be your priorities when you get a, a full, you know, for your next full term, uh, for your first full term in, in office? Uh, well, th there are a couple of different things that we're looking at. Obviously, first, we're trying to find a way to keep COVID re recovery efforts moving forward. Uh, that's one of my top priorities. Like, what are the things? And let me preface this by saying um, we got to take it slow. Um, and it is my desire to, to, to get kids back to doing things that bring them joy. Like, let's just be honest, learning in your kitchen, in your bedroom is not normal at all. Um, nothing about this school year is normal. Um, so we have to keep in mind that uh, when rolling back in, we got to take it easy. We got to get back to doing the things that uh, safely get back to doing the things that bring students joy and, and find ways to indulge in those activities. Right. Uh, secondly, I, I'm looking uh, for a for the right way to increase transparency, right? Uh, transparency is key to a healthy relationship between our school district and the Tacoma community, right? Folks want to be in the know. Folks want to be able to have dialogue uh, with, with board members, with, with the superintendent and things of that nature. Um, but there are protocols and processes set in place. So it, it's, one of my focus is ensuring that those channels of communication are plain as day, right? You don't gotta, you don't have to think twice about if your message got to the right person or what you're trying to say got to the right person. So uh, 
how do we increase that transparency between the board and the community and the district and the community um, laying out a very, very clear protocols for that. Uh, I'm big on financial literacy. Okay. I, I think that um, for me, and I always share this as my reason why, when I was a, a senior in high school, turned 18 and got my first credit card offer. I went and got that credit card. It was a thousand dollar limit. And and I was under the impression that I got a thousand dollars a day. Not that <laughs> you got a thousand dollars. And if you spend a thousand bucks, you got to pay that back. Right. There are financial literacy pieces weaved into many of our classes, but I would like to see how we could make this a standalone um, type of deal, uh, at least in middle school, where, where folks are showing some sort of financial literacy competency, uh, because that in itself could have saved so many struggles for me in adulthood, right? I didn't pay that card off until I was 23 years old. That's a, that, that potentially could be a, a, uh, long-standing have a long-standing impact on the life so i know for me as a black man not having that understanding not only of credit cards but like yo how do you really save to buy a house you know what i mean like do i go out and buy a cash card do i finance a car uh the the only money talking about we're talking about in school right now is financial aid which is great but it can't be the only thing right we've got another place to uh, educate our young people about handling it uh, like marshawn lynch said uh taking care of your chicken so, uh, and then finally, we're going to continue to just work to close access, opportunity, and achievement gaps. You know, as I talked about earlier, making sure everybody in every classroom has the same chance to be great, man. Like, it, it's, you would think that that's common sense, but it's, but, but it's not. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely look forward to uh, ensuring that Tacoma Schools works towards just dismantling structures and practices and mindsets that marginalize students. So yeah, those are my big things. Right? COVID, COVID recovery efforts, increasing transparency, uh, financial literacy, some way, shape or form um, in our districts and, and closing those gaps. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that a lot. That's great. Um, if someone, a listener wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you on the internet? It depends on why they're trying to get into something. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you can, <laughs> I, I do uh, have a Twitter, Corey J. Strozier, um, and and I could be uh, reached via email. Um, even use my board email if you'd like, but if it's personal business, uh, I just respond and say we can uh, continue this conversation via another channel. So my board email is on the Tacoma Schools website, and I am on Twitter, uh, Corey J. Strozier. Anything else you want to add? Uh, you know, at, at any given moment, um, I, besides the fact that I appreciate you always like to, to share in with some type of quote when I'm doing something, but in any given moment, we have two options. We can step forward into growth or we can step back into safety. Um, and this situation, growth has to be the option again and again, right? We, we can step away from fear in an educated uh, uh, way. So growth has to be the option all the time. And I, I appreciate just the opportunity to come share with Citizens Tacoma. Uh, this is my first podcast in relation to uh, uh, school board <laughs> work. And, you know, 
man, I, I'm, I've never run a campaign before. That's happening. If y'all want to donate, you can go to CoreyStrozier.com and there's a big link in the middle that says donate. Uh, and if you want to just chat and learn more about about me and, and why I'm I'm running, if you didn't hear it on this podcast, please feel free to reach out. Let's chat. It's it's hard to run a pandemic. Dur- I mean, run a campaign during a pandemic. I'm not knocking on your door because I don't know if you got that vaccine. So <laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your time and uh, for your service on the school board. Uh, uh, thanks for stepping up into growth, as you said. So thanks again. Thank you. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.